Welcome, Apprentices and Acolytes. Thank you so much for coming into Unlock the Knowledge, Season 2, Episode 6. Today, we're going to be talking about Bad Batch versus the rest of the Star Wars creations, The High Republic Wave 2, and Daisy Ridley potentially continuing her character Rey in Star Wars. Ready up, my destiny. Welcome, Apprentices and Acolytes. Thank you so much for coming into Unlock the Knowledge, Season 2, Episode 6. Today, we're going to be talking about Bad Batch versus the rest of the Star Wars creations, The High Republic Wave 2, and Daisy Ridley potentially continuing her character Rey in Star Wars. Let's go. Thank you so much for coming in. Ready up. So good to see all the apprentices and acolytes here to unlock the knowledge. That's right. The only place that you can get the true knowledge from Star Wars, whatever that even means. <laughs> so I want to talk so much today and it's going to be fun because there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening uh, behind the scenes. You know, we didn't really get a May the 4th announcement like everybody had. It was hoping everyone wanted, you know, but at the same time, too, I feel like that's OK. That's not a bad that's not a bad thing for me. We already know what's going to be happening. We already know all the stuff that's going on. And it's only a matter of time before we get to see more or more of what we want. Cassian Andor series is going to be coming up. Obi-Wan Kenobi series is going to be coming up. The Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian Season 3. There's a lot of going on. On top of that, we'll have The Bad Batch right now, which is going to be giving us 16 major episodes of beautifulness in a time frame, which is before, after Revenge of the Sith, and of course, before A New Hope, Episode 3 and 4. So, yeah, why not? Why not just continue us giving us 16 episodes of that? And that's what I want to talk about right now at this moment is the Bad Batch, the animations. And I'm sure a lot of you that are listening right now, uh, there's probably a lot of you that are hardcore fans, but maybe there's a few of you, which is why I actually love doing these podcasts, is a fan base that only watches the movies or perhaps only watches the live action version of everything else. For instance, like The Mandalorian, all the Star Wars movies, uh, the Solo movie, Rogue One. The, so those are the one-off spinoffs. And of course, we have a brand new one-off movie that's going to be coming out later, and that's going to be uh, uh, X-Wing and uh, Rogue Squadron, uh, which is going to be uh, very, very interesting how that's going to develop because I've heard so many rumors about how it's going to be after The Rise of Skywalker, which I would think is going to be amazing and, and that absolutely needs to happen, which is going to tie into something I'm going to talk about a little later in the podcast. So, yeah, let's get to it. Do you watch the animated shows? Do you care about the animated shows? Do you care about, like, the Clone Wars animated, Star Wars Rebels, or Resistance, you know, or, of course, Bad Batch that's happening now? Uh, we're also going to be getting a brand new, uh, uh, excuse me, animation series, which is going to tie the tie in uh, of these random or selected stories inside the entire Star Wars timeline. And that's going to be uh, uh, anime, uh, anime style. Uh, animation style, and it's going to be so sick because I love anime. I, I, you know, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon. I mean, those are like shonen, uh, you know, and and a lot of people really don't see them as true anime, like tradition, uh, like actual traditional anime, uh, because it's more of a casual uh, <laughs> approach into anime. But then there you have, you know, you have the Code Geass, uh, which is one of my favorite animes of all time, and I've always uh, seen animation like that, and I've always really, really, really had a. Uh, version or a vision of what Star Wars anime would be like. And we get a manga rendition that's going to be coming out later this year, I think around August, which I can't wait for. Um, but to see actual anime uh, be created into Star Wars, uh, and I've, I've wanted that for so long. And we're going to have that in along with uh, the Book of Boba Fett and the rest of the Bad Batch season. And of course, uh, there's one more that I'm missing, uh, which is, oh, of course, which is what we have right now is the, uh, the, the Bad Batch, 16 episodes of the Bad Batch, which is crazy. 
right? We're at episode four right now. Episode five is going to be this week. And if you haven't seen The Bad Batch, I really feel like I, I really urge you to uh, go out and watch The Bad Batch. Even if you're not really interested, I, I at the very least want you to understand the depth of the storytelling uh, and how it ties into everything else. Because the movies, I feel like at times... Uh, they're a big summarization. Sorry, dropping my pen because I'm so excited of everything. Yeah, I got to control myself. They're a big summarization of the entire timeline of Star Wars. And, you know, a lot of people eat and they get full, you know, and a lot of people eat and they don't get full. They are never satisfied. And I don't want to say that I'm never satisfied, but I definitely do not have enough of Star Wars. I like to sink into it. I like to drown into it. <laughs> and I love uh, having any single excuse uh, about uh, animation or a, or a TV show or a book, whatever it is. I don't care. Give it to me. You want to, you want to tell a story? About that little mouse droid that got shot in the Mandalorian season. You want to talk about the, you know, you want to talk about the Death Star or the Dianoga, you know, uh, the, that little, uh, it's, it's not really little, but that big giant creature scary thing that uh, took, uh, that Chewbacca was afraid of and took Luke under in the garbage dispenser in the, uh, <laughs> in the New Hope. You know, you want to talk about that thing, which there is a story for that actual uh, creature with the Dianoga, which is pretty cool. I don't care. I would literally watch an entire 10 episode, three season, uh, entire creation for all those, for all those seasons and all those Disney Plus just for that creature because I love Star Wars so much. You know, I enjoy it. Uh, and, uh, when I watch things like the Bad Batch, you know, that have all these characters, uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it's so well done to me. Uh, it gives you angles of aspects that you've never really thought about. And, uh, I don't know if anyone's a fan of Jurassic Park. This is totally off topic, but uh, Netflix has this uh, Camp Cretaceous, right? It's it's I don't, it's it's very like kid oriented. You know, they they don't really show a lot of uh, dead things happening in that show. The the, uh, the the story is centered around children, uh, but at the same time too, it kind of gives you different angles of the new trilogy for the movies, uh, and and I, and I like that uh, in a sense how it ties into what's happening on the main screen because I feel like that incentivizes people to watch the show. Um, Order 66 in Star Wars, that's of course where the clones all killed all the Jedi. Uh, that is a really big point into the story because a lot of people, 90% of Star Wars fans, favorite characters die in that moment. Um, especially the hardcore fans. <laughs> especially the hardcore fans that are used to just about everything. All the video games, all the comic books. You know, if you watch in the Clone Wars, you know, your boy, everybody is dying in there except for the main characters like Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and, and the very few uh, outside of that. So, and you, when you watch the Bad Batch, you know, uh, when you watch the Bad Batch and you're introduced to these new characters, you know, like Omega, you know, like Hunter, like Wrecker, uh, and and the and Echo, and Echo. Echo's not really a new character, but uh, you understand the uh, attention at least to have him as a as, as a main main character. Uh, I feel like uh, when it comes to substituting in uh, someone like Anakin Skywalker or Obi Wan Kenobi or Yoda, uh, what the main franchise is usually based off of Luke Skywalker. Uh, I, I wonder how hard it is <clears throat> to bring in these uh, fans who only watch the movies. And I would love for you to reach out to me on uh, the channel or on on Twitter where I'm most active because I know a couple people who weren't big Star Wars fans and, and they've be, and they've started to like Star Wars because I, you know, I can't shut up about Star Wars so much, you know, shout out to anyone who's uh, in their car right now going to work and listening to this podcast. <laughs> You're the ones I'm talking about. And I, I wonder like what, 
keeps you interested? And, and, and what is not a big interest for you when it comes to a series like The Bad Batch, right? Because you have uh, the main stories, The Mandalorian, you know, and, the, and I feel like there's a very, very tiny percent of people, a very small margin of people that don't like something like The Mandalorian. But at the very least, when we're talking about these stories, are you, are you still enjoying it? Even though these characters don't really hold enough value outside of their own story? What's happening there with a fan who has only seen the movies and decides that they are going to watch in The Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels or, of course, The Bad Batch in that moment? What's happening? Are they okay with it? Are they consistently watching it over and over? Because I can tell you from a standpoint, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a reactionary Star Wars YouTube channel because I'm not. I'm more of a uh, lore based, even though I don't do that as much, um, and just Star Wars uh, overall news. Uh, and I can tell you from a standpoint, if we're comparing The Mandalorian to The Bad Batch, there is a much larger fan base that is more interested into that main live action series than the more hardened, hardcore niche stuff like The Bad Batch. And... I feel like uh, it's, it's, it's a little insulting to say that it's not as good or not as interesting. Um, but at the very least, you know, I think we all understand that movies make the most money. You know, the big characters make the most money. So uh, at the very least, I understand, you know, yeah, of course, you know, like, yeah, everybody loves these things, but they don't want to live into it, per se. You know, they're only celebrating it. And I feel like at times, uh, I think a lot of people... I don't want to say they don't love it as much, but they can only handle so much. You know, it's it's not their life. Um, and I think that's a really good understanding uh, when you look at The Bad Batch, because the people that are going to appreciate it are the people that, you know, they read everything. You know, they read the comics, they read the books, you know, they they collect all the Funkos, you know, they play all the video games. Um, and that ultimately is who it's being made for. Uh, it, it's something that is really going to grow uh, and help grow with uh, generation to generation with the children. The children are going to grow up into teens. And the teens are going to grow up into adults. And I think that's the beauty of it because that essentially is what Star Wars is for. You know, you have to make the children love it. And and it's so crazy too because the Bad Batch is dark. The Bad Batch is very dark. Uh, I don't think I would want like my seven, eight, nine, even ten year old child watching that. <laughs> uh, you know, I would want my kid to probably be a little bit more mature to understand. You know, <laughs> because maturity is really hard to come by these days. Uh, and specifically, uh, I think it was episode three uh, where they had Crosshair, one of the clones. You know, he start he basically he killed civilians and he killed his own allies at that point. Uh, and, and which really goes to show you, uh, which I appreciate. Just, just how dark Star Wars, uh, how stark Star Wars is, uh, and the lessons ultimately about about understanding, you know, a choice and its effect on 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 you, but also the galaxy. I want to say the galaxy isn't really the real world, but the world, you know, and and, and everything around you. Um, and I ultimately, I love that because it's generational storytelling and it's also generational lessons that you can just grow up and, and teach kids over and over and over. And I harp on this almost every single podcast because that is the essence, in my opinion, of Star Wars. Uh, it has to teach you. It has to teach you something. It has to bring something to you, um, which is uh, one of the fine, fine components of this uh, beautiful machine of Star Wars. Um, 
But at the same time, too, uh, even with uh, those characteristics that it basically inducts and adopts uh, and becomes manifests and ultimately just uh, from on a on a weekly basis, uh, you know, stays true to, uh, especially with uh, Dave Filoni's storytelling uh, and uh, and everything else. You know, all the animated directors over there and the writers, uh, I feel like they really have a great thing going, uh, even if. Uh, the amount of people that is watching it just isn't as large as, say, the mainstream fan base, which is okay, and that is fine. And I feel like, at the end of the day, everybody is getting what they want, uh, especially me, especially someone who just loves to thrive in Star Wars every single day, every single week. Now, we have 16 episodes of Bad Batch, right? And uh, I think it's going to be split up into eight episodes. I think we're getting eight episodes on... Uh, eight episodes now, and then we're going to be getting eight episodes after summer, maybe uh, sometime in the fall. I'm not really certain when that's going to be coming out, but I feel like that's a, like that's a lot of Star Wars. You really think about that, right? And they're spreading it out for the entire year, which is really good. But at the same time, too, what's happening in the summer? I know we have Phase 2 of the High Republic, which is what we're going to be talking about. Excuse me, Wave 2. I don't want to get phases. Phases is more of Marvel. This isn't Marvel. This is Star Wars. I apologize. So we have Wave 2 of the High Republic coming out, okay? And for anyone that doesn't know, that is our a brand new story arc. The the one I feel like that's getting just about almost the most bang for budget uh, for all the rioters. And they're putting a lot of resources into it. They've uh, Disney has invested so much into these rioters. Very good rioters, in, in my opinion, uh, to make make this entire timeline, which is a thousand years before The Phantom Menace. Remember now, we had an announcement about The Acolyte, which is going to be a live action TV show, original on Disney Plus for Star Wars. That takes place 50 years before The Phantom Menace. So if you really think about it, The High Republic is somewhat ending in that time when that show is supposed to start in the timeline for that. Uh, I think we're getting it next year, maybe the year after. I haven't really heard anything about it other than its announcement. So we'll see where that goes. But when we when we talk about the High Republic and we talk about the Bad Batch, Star Wars ultimately is connected. And that's why I feel like there is so much incentive for anybody that loves Star Wars to watch this. Because, yeah, sure, you have the High Republic, which is a thousand years before the movies, before the movie starts in episode one. And then, of course, a lot of this stuff reaches, the, you know, it has... Uh, it's, it's poetry. It ultimately rhymes with each other. It's connected down to the prequels are connected to the original trilogy and the original trilogy is connected to the sequel trilogy. And, and, you know, and, and it's all connected back and forth. There's so many different things, especially with the Skywalkers, especially with the lightsabers, especially with the Jedi, especially with Palpatine, who literally connects every single movie together. And beyond that, we have no idea because the story is just beginning. The story is just beginning. Uh, and that's why I love... When you look at the Bad Batch, and we have four episodes right now, it's going to be five next week, and then I think we're going to have three more after that, and then into the summer, uh, there's a lot of Star Wars that for this entire year. So we have the Bad Batch that's finishing out uh, basically in a couple, in four weeks, five weeks, and then uh, we have the summer, which is probably going to be also late into like August, and maybe a little bit after that, which is going to be the High Republic, so those are all the books. Those are all the comics. And then after that, we're going to be getting to that territory of Star Wars Visions, that animated series that I was talking to you about. And then the, at the end of the year, the book of Boba Fett. Uh, so that's a lot of Star Wars. I think uh, what it started, I think The Mandalorian had started 
in October in its first season. And I think last year it started in what, late December? I, I can't remember for certain. Maybe it was November. I'm not really certain. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of Star Wars, you know? And we have so many more projects that are becoming out. And that's not even including the movies. So I feel like Disney is doing, uh, it's, they're prepping everything really well. For me, at least, because they're giving you these little appetizers. And, and the, the Bad Batch is somewhat of an appetizer for me. Because it's, it, it's a story that's already existed in that timeline. It's never been told before. Uh, even in the Legends comics, even in the Legend timeline, before Disney bought the rights, there was some story there. But even then, they're somewhat retelling these things or rewriting these things. So it's it's almost like never before seen or uncharted territory, right? With a character like Fennec Shan, and, and Fennec Shan was introduced into the, uh, the most recent episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, she's an original character. She's not someone that's recycled, right? She's completely new. Uh, in, in my opinion, one of the better characters that's been involved in The Mandalorian. I've seen a lot of people that didn't like her so much, but I just don't understand how you cannot like her, especially from her appearance in The Mandalorian. And now that she's with Boba Fett, and at, towards the end of that timeline, it's so cool to see who she is. Because the Bad Batch introduced her in a way that I feel like isn't evil, right? She's not just killing people to kill people. Uh, you know, uh, she was also teaching Omega these things like, oh, hey, you know, it's not just black and white. You know, there's things that you can do and it's okay to break the rules, which I felt like was so dangerous to tell Omega because Omega is still learning. And Omega is very intelligent and very powerful because she is a clone, you know. She's probably the last clone that there might be for the Kaminoans until the Empire takes them over. Sad. Uh, spoilers, not really spoilers. I mean, we'll see what happens, but... It's sad to see because... Omega is this pure, pure, poor thing who is so excited at the sight of dirt. You know, all she wants to do is explore. And of course, you know, her being naive and, you know, very young, she runs off and then runs into a bounty hunter who's looking for her, <laughs> which is the most terrible luck of all time. Uh, but their conversations uh, were, at, in my opinion, like a little innocent. Omega was so innocent to how she was like, hey, you know, you should totally join our squad, even though I don't know that you're trying to kidnap me. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and I and I and I love it because that's just how Omega is. And I feel like you're really going to see a different type of Omega towards the end of this series, whenever it ends at episode 16, episode 15 uh, in August or whatever, whenever it comes back. Uh, and someone like Fanic Shan, too, you know, who... Dindajaran, who is the Mandalorian, the main character in the Mandalorian series, you know, the first time he hears about Fennec Shan, uh, uh, yeah, Fennec Shan, and, you know, she, he says, what is, what is, what is it what he says, you know, like, that's Fennec Shan, you know, she, you know, she was, you know, she worked with the Huts. she was, like, one of the baddest, you know what's, in, in, in this entire sector, good luck, good luck trying to catch her, ultimately he does, because he's the Mandalorian, um, but, Someone like that who's working with the Huts, you know, you already know that she's, you know, she's a bad girl, you know, <laughs> that's a bad woman that you're dealing with, you know, uh, and who she is, like, I don't know, like, there are so many times where, yeah, she could have, like, killed Omega or just straight up gotten away, but at the same time, too, there was, I felt like there was a little portion of her that 
did care about what she was doing and and, and what she was uh, and like how she was treating Omega. You know, just like the little things were like, obviously she's saving her because, you know, she wants the money. Right. Obviously. But there's things like, you know, hey, I'm dropping you right now. Make sure you tuck and roll so you don't hurt yourself, you know. Or, hey, you know, you're hungry? Here, here's here's this thing I stole. All right, listen, yeah, just make sure you carry a piece on you because sometimes it's okay to protect yourself, you know? Sometimes it's okay to steal because you're hungry. And obviously, like, <coughs> like you've really got to tread water with what you're teaching her, but uh, she's also hanging out with the Bad Batch, right? And she's susceptible to these things that's happening with her. You know, uh, Wrecker and Tech are also trying to con this poor guy that's at the hangar because, you know, they can't register their ship and they pay him off. You know, so it's not like everybody around her is a goody good, you know, two shoes. You know, she's an enemy of the galaxy. She's trying to escape and she's, you know, being harbored by uh, and at least right now, some of the some of the bigger criminals in the, in the galaxy because, you know, they're. I don't want to say defectors. There's nothing really to defect over to right now, uh, but they're traitors. <laughs> they're traitors. You know, that's what they are, and and they're deserters. So it's it's funny how her mentality is going to change overall because I'm not sure what's going to happen to her personally. I I, I think it's very possible uh, plausible that she's going to die at the end of the series. <laughs> and I know I was like, oh god, you know what? That's so dark. Well. You know, like, well, there's no Omega later, and there's definitely no Bad Batch later, um, and there's no clones later, at least that, at least until we, that we know now. Uh, and Kamino is something that's really only seen, just, like, whispered about. So, where is that going to take us? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? We still haven't met Rex. We still haven't met Ahsoka. Um, even though I, I'm not really sure uh, we're going to see Ahsoka. I, I don't, I, I kind of don't want to see Ahsoka in this, because I feel like, It'll take too much away from everything else because I really feel like it just should be the Bad Batch and Omega uh, trying to do whatever. Um, and, and these episodes are fine. Uh, they're not, in my opinion, filler episode. Every single episode has kind of given us a purpose. Um, episode one, you know, it really showed you that uh, Omega had uh, Omega's got a lot to learn. Uh, and, and that kind of echoes in every single episode. Uh, but when they met Cutler Quain, you know, they taught they taught Hunter and all of them about being fathers, essentially uncles. Um, it taught Omega, you know, about choice uh, and about, you know, be careful of your surroundings. You can't just run around, you know, you're going to get eaten by something. Uh, it, yeah, it just how I think also for the audience, it also showed just how, although she was a clone and she was learning every day on Camino, that she just didn't know things about life. You know, or being a child, like playing ball. Um, and then, of course, the second episode, I, or excuse me, the third episode, I feel like that really showed you what Omega can become. Because Hunter is incapacitated, you know, he loses consciousness uh, because the uh, Ordo Moon dragon ends up dis dispossessing his mask and then he ends up, you know, falling unconscious. And then she takes the blaster and then she also goes down into the moon caves uh, and kind of learns, I think, I think she really has all of the abilities of the clones. You know, she's able to track it. She's able to track the dragon. Uh, she's, I don't know, just really like resourceful, uh, intelligent as well. She kind of knew that the dragon was going to attack her, uh, which I feel like is a really good advantage or at the very least is, is really telling of her, her, her character as a person and how potentially she probably won't turn evil because she just has a good heart until, Something terrible happens. Who knows? Um, 
But uh, this also, this episode, uh, I feel like just kind of was another warning about how terrifying, like, the galaxy is for her and how careful she needs to be and <laughs> how running after things is never going to uh, really... Uh, it's just it's just not going to be good for her if she continuously runs off into the dark chasing toys and and dogs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really great story. And I, and I feel like Omega is a character who a, a lot of audiences would probably be really annoyed from. But she continuously just kind of, I don't know, wins you over. She's a fun character to have, uh, even though she doesn't really do too much, but she's not like a, a coward or she's not getting in the way. She's not useless. She's always trying to help. And she's kind of one of the bad batch. Like they take her in as her own uh, and they defend her. They, I've, she's a part of the team, you know, even with Crosshair, even even her defending Crosshair, uh, who is the, the main villain. But I think we really have to watch out for Wrecker. Uh, Wrecker has has hit his head twice in every single episode. And anyone knows anything about those inhibitor chips? When you start messing with clones' heads, uh, they start to <laughs> prematurely engage and uh, start to just really act crazy. Uh, I think it was a couple episodes before we had uh, Tech, who was going to finish the scanner so they can remove those. I don't think they elaborated that on the last episode, so hopefully we'll get to see some more of that. Uh, maybe by episode 8, they'll probably all have their inhibitor chips gone if they're not already gone. Most or a couple of characters haven't died yet because I'm just really worried about Wrecker. Wrecker was a character that I wasn't expecting to be so hype over because, you know, he was just the big lug jock, move things with muscles, punch things, you know, and uh, he's, he's got so much. He's got so much more personality than I ever anticipated. But what's also uh, just genuinely refreshing is that he's also intelligent. Like, I, I don't know. People, a lot of, I know a lot of people are probably saying, like, what are you talking about? This guy's, you know, dumb as a door. But, I mean, like, no, he really isn't. He actually is a lot smarter than he's leading on. Uh, like, like he's way smarter than he's leading on. Uh, especially, like, especially when I watch that episode where he hits his head with the, uh, the Order Moon Dragon. And I don't know if he's, like, pretending that he has hurt his head so he can stay behind and create a room for Omega... Or if he actually has something going on with him. Because in this episode, he didn't have any pains at all. He just kind of fell over and got unconscious. And we don't want, we don't want to talk about how he was basically throwing. <laughs> he was throwing. He was throwing. You best believe you got to report Wrecker for how bad he got whooped right there by Fennec Shan. Because Fennec Shan dropped him. <laughs> dropped him so quick. Oh, my God. Oh, he got bodied. So we'll see what happens. And I'm interested, as you can tell. Even if, even though it's not live action, even though it's not a movie, I still feel like there's so much incentive to watch these shows because of the story. And in one way or another, you're going to see these characters or these mentions of these characters or something that's characteristic of the story lead in to something else. And I feel like right there is that's enough just to sit down and just watch it. Enjoy it. It's Star Wars. Eat it up, baby. You're going to enjoy it. So let's talk about. Wave 2 of the High Republic, and I have all my notes here, which is going to be pretty cool because I want to talk about a couple things here, three or four things about the High Republic and, and the Phase 2 that I'm more excited about than anything else. And so we have the High Republic Rising Storm. Now, uh, the Rising Storm is kind of the, the main book. It's, it's going to be the sequel to 
I think it's the direct sequel to Light of the Jedi. Um, and then, of course, there was Into Darkness, which was the other book, which was awesome because it had the Dregnir. And if you don't know these, uh, what the Dregnir is, if you ever played Halo, right, there's these uh, enemies called the Flood. And they're kind of controlled by this thing called the Grave Mine. He's a big, scary plant uh, zombie. I don't want to say like octopus thing, but he definitely has tentacles. Uh, but he's extremely intelligent. He is a precursor of his time. Uh, he's lived for a thousand, millions and millions of years. Yeah, not even thousands, millions of years. Uh, super hyper intelligent, crazy. Uh, the basically he's connected to everything. Uh, all the all the enemies that he creates, right? Which is crazy. Uh, it's 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 insane and absurd how intelligent that is. Uh, and they take a characteristic of that, and they bring that into Star Wars, and it's called the Drengnir. It's the but these plant-like creatures, right? Uh, and they are also force sensitive, which is really cool. And they're into the dark side of the force. They also love. I think they love. Uh, they love. They they see everything else as meat, which is funny because it's a plant-based creature, and they see everything else that they're eating as meat. Um, and they were also arch nemesis uh, of the Sith, which is crazy. And I, I really love that that drop and that that seed that they planted because this, in my opinion, is called world building, ladies and gentlemen. And it's one of the best world building that I've seen. I don't know since Disney has acquired the license. And I know a lot of people are not hype or on that hype for the High Republic, but I am. You know, I am. Damn it, and. Just give me more. Give me more. Give me so much more about the Drengnir because I absolutely love who they are and what they're trying to do. They've battled the Sith for years, for generations. Uh, and they talk about this in, in the story in the... It's the... Into the Darkness. Yeah, Into Darkness. And uh, there's one episode, I think. There's one thing I remember reading and it was like, oh, uh, the the Drengnir leader. Uh, he he uh, I don't know if it was the leader, but it was one of the main guys that was in charge, one of the main Dregnir, and they're talking and they see the Jedi with their lightsabers. And they were like, oh, these are the same people. These are the same people that that destroyed us or or put us in jail, right? And and the other one was like, no, they're different. Their weapons are the same, but they're different color. The other ones were red. And so when I read that, I think it was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, I I screamed at the top of my lungs because I was just like, you know, that's so high. Whoa, dude. You know, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where you read enough Star Wars stuff and there's a lot of great things, but there's only description. This description, I feel like, is a writer's greatest tool because because of imagery. And, and when you continuously uh, just score so well on creating a picture in someone's mind, it, it, it really kind of sets deep. Like, I will remember that for the rest of my life, the way that was described, the way it was introduced, the way the uh, Drengar speak and, and eat and feast and how they were ultimately, like, unstoppable in a sense because you could cut them down, chop them down with your lightsaber, but then they would just kind of uh, regenerate or regrow. I kind of, I don't want to say regenerate because it's a plant, but they would kind of regrow and come back together. Uh, they also had toxins or poison that would they would inject you with, with their thorns uh, and that would ultimately gain influence over you because you had, I don't know, took so much toxin in and, and they were, you were like being sedated and influenced uh, on this drunk feeling of uh, of submission, I guess. And then you it, it was almost like a spell. It was really crazy stuff like 
Poison Ivy and then the Gravemind from Halo. And then, of course, it was all into Star Wars with the Dark Side of the Force. And, and, I, and I love those aspects, and which is why I'm, I'm really excited for The Rising Storm. Because when we read Light of the Jedi, Light of the Jedi just kind of ended with this terrible, terrible dream sequence or vision from one of the one of the most prime Jedi in this time. Uh, and this person, this Jedi, is envisioning just like fire. Just fire, straight fire, everybody running away, screams, chaos, darkness, all this terrifying crap, and he passes out. And I think he even is bleeding out of his eyes or his mouth or something uh, when that's happening to him. He just passes out, and that's how the book ends. And it was nuts. And that's how that's how you're just waiting for that. You haven't been continued. So this next book is called The Rising Storm. I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you. Uh, summary. I'm going to read it straight off StarWars.com, okay? So, in the wake of the great hyperspace disaster, this was a disaster from the first book. Uh, for those of you that did not read it, basically, you know how hyperspace works, right? You know, truly punch it, Han Solo, Money, and Falcon, they're going through hyperspace. Right, so imagine that, but like, uh, I don't want to say, like, uh, Titanic-sized vessels, but space, so it's even larger. Size of like six football fields, Okay. Exaggerating, don't know the real size, but I'm just trying to give you big information. That ship is traveling with hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people, right? And they're in hyperspace, and then all of a sudden, hyperspace turns red. And for those of you that don't know, hyperspace has this white, bluish kind of glow, right? Uh, I want to say it's like interchanging, almost. And it's pulmerizing, right? Like the Yu-Gi-Oh card, polymerization, right? You guys remember that? Just imagine that, but blue and white, all over the place. Uh, and you're flying into it, and all of a sudden it turns red, and then all of a sudden there's this uh, almost like lightning type of effect, and then there's an explosion. Which is crazy, because when you're in hyperspace, you're not supposed to be hitting objects. Uh, at all. Like, you're in your own, not dimension, but you're at your own speed dimension. And hyperspace is so damn hard to explain to people, okay? Uh, <laughs> don't even, like, you really have to read years and years of Star Wars to understand Star Wars, uh, to understand hyperspace. And even then, like, even then you don't truly understand it as much as you should uh, because it's just so hard to understand. Like, how long does is the duration of time to take from planet to planet, from, from you know, from uh, entry point to exit point, you know, how, like days, months, cycles, whatever it is. Like, well, we don't know. We, we just, just kind of understand that it may take some time, but we don't know how much, right? Oh, God. And there's so much other things like creatures inside of hyperspace and then time and then and then phobias and then disease. Yes. And then then you go into this like upside down world because you went too fast or entered. It, it, yeah, it gets nuts. OK. Anyway, so there's this giant thing flying in space. And it's filled with passengers, and then it explodes. It crashes into something. Something happens. And because it's going at hyperspeed, okay, the, the collision pieces, the objects, a part of this ship, just blow up, and they go into different sides all over the outer rim, just uh, at hyperspace, okay? So imagine getting into a car accident, uh, a bus, or a yacht, right? So imagine a yacht traveling at the speed of light, and then all of a sudden, that yacht explodes, completely just hits something, and all those pieces... Uh, with people included, uh, and storage, and your luggage, and everything else, that goes all over a part of the galaxy, all over the part of the ocean, right? And it's not stopping. It's continuously going as fast as hyperspace. And it only comes out and enters and exits out of hyperspace until it's right before it's about to hit a planet, 
or moon or space station or worse. And that happens all over the, the all over the outer rim. So that is a sector of the galaxy. Millions. The, it's, it's probably the the most amount of loss in Star Wars history, I want to say. Like, it's that much. Like, it's, it's a crazy amount. I, I think it's in the billions, right? So, in the wake of the great hyperspace disaster, which is the crazy shit that I just talked about, and heroism of the Jedi, the Republic continues to grow, bringing more worlds together under a simple, under a simple unified banner. Led by Chantra Lena So, the spirit of the U unity extends throughout the galaxy with the Jedi and newly established Starlight Beacon station at Vanguard. In celebration, the Chancellor plans the Republic Fair, a showcase of the possibility of peace of the expanding Republic, the precept the Jedi hope to foster. Stellan Gios, Bel Zedifar, hope I say these names right, Elzar Man, and others join the event as ambassadors of harmony. But as the eyes of the galaxy turn toward the fair, so too does the fury of the Nile. These are the main en enemies. Uh, their leader, Martian Rowe, is an intent as destroying the spirit of the unity. His storm descends on, oh man, the celebration, sowing chaos and exacting revenge. As the Jedi struggle to the curb of carnage and the rampaging Nile, they come face to face with the true fear their enemy planned to unleash across the galaxy, the kind of fear that even the Force cannot shield them from. So, this is kind of what leads into what we saw and what we heard of from uh, I think it was Elzar Man or Selengeos, one of the two. One of those two Jedi had a uh, a, a Force vision at the end. And, and this is, I'm assuming, his vision. This is his vision. This is what it's all coming down to. Uh, and that's what they always harped on is, what are the Jedi scared of? You know, what's so terrifying for the Jedi to be uh, to be their enemy? And uh, I hope we find it because I feel like the Drengnir... Is it? But and and I feel like they're uh, way cooler than the Nile. But Martian Rowe, who was the leader of the Nile, who are these basically space pirate gangsters, um, I feel like he's 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 always up to something. He's very tactical, and he's ultimately uh, I, I think he's the most uh, calculative uh, Star Wars villain. Uh, like he's up there to me with Thrawn and Palpatine. Like, he's up there. I think, like, I would put Thrawn on top, I would put Palpatine at second, and then I would put Martian Rowe at three, but I need you to understand, like, that three is not as close as one and two. That three is is further down, okay? Uh, I'm not saying Martian Rowe is, is the, the the baddest of all time. No, he's, he's just up there uh, because I feel like that's what he's going to become for his potential and, and what he showed um, in his previous, in the in the first book. Because he really became something in the last couple of chapters of that book. I haven't seen his face yet. Uh, and he's also holding some type of artifact, which to me made it feel like it was a lightsaber. Um, and he blames the Jedi for a lot of things. Uh, and he might be a character that we see for some time. Hell, he might even be a character that we see you know, or, or hear about in in the Alkaline. So, I can't wait to see it. Um, my second uh, most curious thing that I'm excited for is actually uh, Tempest Runner. <clears throat> this is by Kevin Scott. He's done a doctor. Uh, he's done a lot of Doctor Who stuff, but at this moment, he's doing so many Star Wars High Republic comics, and they're all great. Though. I actually really like them. I didn't 
uh, I did, I wasn't too hype at the start of it, but his characters, uh, the, his when his, his writing uh, with a skier who is a transdotian Jedi uh, who is really cool, um, and uh, one of the main other characters, Avara Chris, he's been writing with her a lot, and of course uh, the, one of the main uh, female Jedi who's who's leading off. Uh, who is uh, so cool, man. I, I, I love her entire uh, spiel with the uh, double-bladed lightsaber and, and how excited she is for everything else. Uh, it's it's just so cool. If you have not read uh, any of that stuff, I, I definitely urge you to go out there and read it because uh, Avar Chris Skier and Keith Trennis, who's the, the main character of his comics right now, uh, they're doing wonders, and, and I feel like everyone should really have the time and respect to, to go and check them out. Now... Tempest Runner, I believe, is going to be a audiobook. Let me make sure if I'm correct about that. Um, seven, seven, seven. Forthcoming canon audio drama. Yeah, so this is an audio drama written by Kevin Scott, and it's set in the High Republic era, which is the, the era all these High Republic books come out, thousand years before The Phantom Menace. The High Tempest uh, Runner, uh, Lorana D. So Lorana D was actually introduced in The Light of the Jedi, and she was one of the only people that uh, Martian Rowe trusted. This is the main villain uh, for the High Republic series. So it's going to be uh, taking her off, and it looks like she has carved out a place for herself as the leader among the Nile. But it's a lonely at the top, and the Tempest Runner, like Lorana, is always watching her back for threats, whether those threats are from the Jedi or her fellow Nile. So uh, it seems like this one is going to be more so about the works of the Nile, because the, the Nile has a structure. Um, it's it's the main guy, Martian Rowe, and then there was a tier of two to three people below him, and then it was their runners, or uh, kind of like their clans or their squads, and they all went out and they just uh, did stuff, and they shared everything, which is a really unique feature in a lot of these pirates, because I feel like pirates don't share anything, right? But that's what they did. Um, and this char- And I feel like this character is going to be Ultimately, like it's a needed character because you need to know more about the Nile because I feel like as cool, I guess, as the Nile should be, I don't feel like they're as great as they should be right now, and I, we need to know more about them. We need to have more development uh, because the, I feel like they're being heavily carried on Martian Row, um, and bad guys are, are are everything in it, you know, because that's what the heroes need to defeat to become. You know, and that's that's ultimately what makes a good hero. Um, and as cool as the Jedi are right now, I don't think aside the Dregnir, uh, there is anything really that uh, that they're ha- that they have been dealing with that makes them all time greats. And you have to understand this too. This is Star Wars. So who do our other villains are? Well, we have Palpatine. You know, we have Darth Vader. You know, <laughs> we have Thrawn. There's a lot of fantastic villains. In fact, Star Wars is all villains. Um, uh, and that's why, you know, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, even even uh, Kylo Ren and, you know, and Rey and Finn, you know, the, you know, even they have, you know, Ben Solo or excuse me, Kylo Ren and, and, and Palpatine to deal with at the end there. Uh, so I, I feel like uh, Martian Rowe, the Nile, even this character, Lorena D, uh, they have to really become a, a little bit more uh, just to ultimately benefit this entire run with the High Republic, uh, because as as much as I like the High Republic, I feel like uh, the villains is lacking. But what people don't understand is is like this has only been out for I don't even think it'd be a year yet, you know. So let's all just tone it down and let's see where it goes. Four years, five years into this, uh, to see how far we're going to go, because I feel like there's a lot of story here. They already have a beginning, middle, and end. 
they know what they want to do. Uh, and my goodness gracious, there's some really great characters in this story right now. You just got to let the world building go and you got to let these writers do what they do best. Right. So uh, those are awesome. Those are fantastic. And my favorite thing that I'm actually so excited about, I don't think that even comes out until uh, later this year, which is going to be a, a graphics novel, which is also by Kevin Scott. He's on fire, by the way. So this is also the uh, <laughs> the uh, Tempest run of the audiobook. Uh, it's going to be uh, the monster of Temple Beak. And the reason why this is so sick, okay, first off, it's a graphics novel, okay, and, and there's so that's like 300. Uh, if you guys remember that movie, that that was a graphics novel for the longest time. Uh, but there's a unique character in this. And it's so cool because um, two of my favorite characters in the or I want to say the most interesting characters in the High Republic are Jedi. Jedi that end up leaving. You have Keeve Trennis, who is right now she's still in the Jedi Order. OK, what, what that means is what that means is like, you know, she's leaving the Jedi Order is that she's going to leave. Something is going to happen where she ends up like Ahsoka where she just no longer wants to deal with it. <coughs> she Something happens with the Jedi where she just can't deal with it anymore, and she leaves, and she dips. This character, who's a main character, who I think has, has not been... Uh, a, who has not appeared yet, I think, uh, at all in any of the stories. I believe this is going to be her first rendition um, as a first appearance. And her name, I think, is uh, Tyoric, right? Yes, uh, she's a monster hunter for hire, Ty Yorick, but she is a Jedi. She turned Saber for hire, which is like, dude, like there's only like two characters in all of Star Wars that are like this. And I feel like that Quinlan Voss to me is like one of them. And then, of course, uh, Kate Skywalker, who's way, way, way down the like, like I'm talking about like 30, 40, maybe even 100 years past like Luke Skywalker's timeline because there's a couple of Skywalkers that end up living uh, beyond him and then it's Cade Skywalker. He has a brother who's a Skywalker, uh, but he deals with Darth Krayt and Darth Krayt was actually somebody who grew up and was known during the prequels uh, who was actually a Jedi and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi fade, uh, fought him during that time he was on Tatooine, but that was hundreds of years before he became who he was. Uh, Darth Krayt has an entire cool story. I probably should talk about him later, but yeah. Two characters, Kate Skywalker and Quinlan Voss, who are Jedi who are not like Jedi. You know, they're very, uh, maybe they dabble in the dark side, you know, maybe they just do things differently. Uh, but also trait-wise and, and, and the way they work is just completely like non-Jedi, you know. Very for-hire, freelance-esque, maybe even bounty hunters at time. Now, uh, Ty Yorick, uh, I don't want to say is a bounty hunter, but she's definitely using her Jedi powers, you know, her force-sensitiveness as... Yeah, as, as, as employment, you know, <laughs> she's getting coin and currency for, for her job. Her lightsaber is so cool, too, uh, because it, one, it's purple, and purple is just a sick freaking color for a lightsaber. Um, but it's more aggressive looking. You know, it's almost like Sith-like because it has these sharp points, almost like claws, right? Very reminiscent of the creatures that she hunts, which is cool, too. Um, and she's also in the Rising Storm book. So I wonder if something is going to pull her back into the Jedi. Uh, but this is an interesting character, Tyorik, right? Uh, 
she is in her first comic appearance. Uh, this is an all-new High Republic uh, miniseries by Kevin Scott, uh, which is going to be sick, and by uh, Rachel Stott, which is uh, also pretty cool. Um, this is a little synopsis right here. As a Ty is a brave yet uh, superstitious monster hunter. <laughs> That's going to be funny as a Jedi superstitious. Um, traversing the galaxy with KL-03, a droid, and her trusty run stones fighting the deadliest monsters in any world. After dealing with an escaped druin being transported to the Republic Fair, Ty heads to Lorith, where the local pioneers have tasked her with talking to the fearsome Gretelix that terrorizes them. Oh no. I don't even know what a Gret Gretelix is. Is that something new? I think this is spoilers. Okay, yes. So, I mean, I can't, yes, I can't, I can't see that yet. Um, so that's terrorizing them. She takes the mission, but can't shake the feeling that's something amiss with the Force. Um, and I want to see what this is, you know, uh, because not only do you have Tyroric, who's probably the coolest Jedi that they've introduced so far, at least in means of, like, what she does, uh, because it's not often where you find a Jedi that isn't a Jedi. Oh, my gosh, I forgot about uh, the uh, bounty hunter, Aura Singh, too, because Aura Singh is a bounty hunter, and she used to be a Jedi hunter. She was also Force-sensitive. Uh, so these are just, like, little tidbits <laughs> about stuff. Uh, she actually gets name-dropped in Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, which is pretty cool. Lando talks about her uh, and to Tobias Beckett, which is so sick. So go watch that movie right now and, and go listen to that, because that's also pretty cool, okay? Because this is kind of similar. But the monster at Temple Peak. Graphic novel, okay? Get ready for phase two. Ty Rorick is gonna be a character that you're gonna hear about, and if, if it's done right, I think this character is going to be the coolest hecking thing in the universe. So get heckin' hype to see a, a Monster Hunter Star Wars character, Jedi, what? I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dope about it. I, I wanna know why she's not a Jedi anymore, because obviously the Jedi pissed her off, right? Obviously the Jedi's doing something wrong, like the Jedi always do things wrong. They never do anything wrong, right? Just look at Anakin Skywalker, he turned out great. So. Let's get into <laughs> my last thing here. And this is something that I've been wanting to talk about. And I've talked about in my old podcast as well. Daisy Ridley is reportedly in talks to return to the Star Wars franchise. Now, there have been so many rumors about this. Okay, these are rumors. These are rumors. These are rumors. These are probably not true. These are rumors. These are probably not true. These are probably not true. These are rumors. Now, why would Daisy Ridley want to return to Star Wars, right? And that's not saying I'm not and I'm not I'm not insulting. Everyone knows that I love Star Wars, okay? I I'm always positive. I'm not toxic, I'm not nasty. <laughs> I I love Star Wars. Um but after the rise of Skywalker and all the drama these actors and actresses had to deal with, right? The one thing that I kept hearing was they weren't sure if they wanted to return or they did not want to return or their character had been done. Um, but I've heard f uh, several times from both John Boyega and Daisy Ridley that if the things were right, they would come back. Uh, I think Daisy Ridley said something about how uh, she didn't want to return right now, but that doesn't mean she wouldn't return in the future. So that sounds like, yeah, Please, you know, get me my money and, and give me a story. But it's not just Daisy Ridley that I feel like should return. It's John Boyega, the actor for Finn, right? I, I feel like you can't have one character without the other because these characters are connected. And they've been connected since the first movie in The Force Awakens. 
Uh, and I've been really upset about how their characters turned out overall because while the rise of Skywalker, rise, while the rise of Skywalker, because I speak so well when I'm excited about Star Wars, was an ending, it felt more like a beginning. It felt like the start of a new trilogy. If no, excuse me, it felt like the start of a new story. Ray Skywalker tur- uh, engages her yellow lightsaber. It's, it's ugh, that was probably the coolest thing in, in the Rise of Skywalker for me. Uh, just like a yellow lightsaber on screen, but I just I really didn't see anything. Uh, like after that, that spoke to me like time for something new. You know that really like told me like this is a new beginning. Like this is wh- this is where the story starts. This is where the story starts, and it's ending. There's only thirty seconds left of this movie, and it's starting. Like it's starting right now. Right? That's how I felt. Same thing with Finn. You know, Finn dips and that's it. You know, you only see him in the celebration stuff. Um, and we all know, like, we kind of didn't get what we wanted with Finn. And that's Jedi Finn, you know. <laughs> um, and I want and I want more. Like, I, I always want more, you know, and I, get, I always get a little sad when I talk about it, too, because. I love Star Wars so much. And well. When I was in high school, I think I was in like freshman or sophomore year, and I saw Revenge of the Sith. And I remember walking out of that theater, and I thought I just saw the best Star Wars ever, you know, because <laughs> I'm I'm one of those people. I know, hate me, whatever. Uh, and I remember walking around after in school, and I remember talking about how cool Revenge of the Sith was. And I was the only one in the school that liked Revenge of the Sith. Like I was the only one. There was this one kid, and and he was really toxic. Like. I think a lot of them were because we're in high school, right? We're all toxic. We're all terrible people. <laughs> we're, we're all learning to be like decent. And he was talking about like, oh, no, we know George Lucas is going to remake four, five and six. Oh, he's destroying everything, you know, and I'm just like, well, all right, dude, I'll probably not talk to you anymore. Have a good day, you know, <laughs> because like I just remember hearing so much hate about everything and I wanted more. I wanted more Star Wars, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, that stinks that he's going to remake the original trilogy, but at the same time, I don't mind it because it's more Star Wars for me. So I, I was okay with it, you know? And then I heard about the TV series that was supposed to come out, the underground Coruscant stuff, uh, which never came out and that you hear so much about on YouTube now, right? And, you know, yeah, I would have liked that too. And it's so weird because even with uh, a lot of stuff that's not really liked, I, I like it, I like it. Like, yeah, the sequel trilogy, uh, I want to say is... It, like it's I don't like it as much as the other trilogies, but I still like it and I still want more from the characters. Uh, why should the characters pay for it because it's not liked as much as the others? I, I, I don't necessarily see that as a failure because I feel like people are so quick to label failure on something because it doesn't do as good as everything else. You know, and uh, it's just too quick to call because even if you don't like it right now, there's going to be so many more people that are going to that are going to like it in five to ten years. Just look at the prequels. Revenge of the Sith is probably the most talked about prequel movie because there's so many people that rally behind that one movie. And I think Rise of Skywalker could become that. Uh, there's already so many people who are so diehard about the sequels, but there's even more people who, even though they didn't like those movies, 
they rallied behind Ray. They rallied behind Finn so much. And I really hope these talks are happening. Whatever you feel about Daisy Ridley and her talent as an actress, and I feel like she's amazing. I feel like we're so lucky to have her and John Boyega. Jeez, you know, the, the cast for the sequel trilogy, there was so much talent, and a lot of the talent didn't even get used correctly. Or to its fullest potential. There you go. For To its fullest potential, I think is a better word, because I don't want to be in concern of everyone's hard work, right? Now, what could happen? What would they do? Well, the First Order doesn't disappear overnight. The bad guys don't disappear overnight. It's like, oh, it's like the Death Star. Oh, you blew up the Death Star. Well, we, we put all of our people in there, so I guess you guys win, right? No, that's not how it happens, especially with stories and comics. The story's always going to go on one way or the other. And with Daisy Ridley, excuse me, with Rey Skywalker, she's Rey Skywalker. Like, she buried the lightsabers on Tatooine, but she still has the books. She still has... Uh, all of Yoda and all the Jedi's notes and Luke Skywalker stuff, she can continue that and go on. We all know Finn is Force-sensitive. You know, it was so obvious in The Rise of Skywalker, you know, the whole just a feeling, you know? Like, he knows, he knows he's connected to Rey. You know, they have a bond. It's obviously not a dyad. Or or maybe it could be. Maybe something about Rey could be something new. Uh, You know, something about her is... Oh man, okay, so sorry, I just I just remembered this, right? So if you ever play Knights of the Old Republic 2, there's a character called the Exile, Matrasuric, right? And and she was so dangerous because she her influence, her influence was so powerful that one of her teachers, who was Darth Kreia, who was also a Jedi and a Sith at the pinnacle of its power, and was teaching her, she believed that this character, the Exile, Matrasuric, could destroy the force. This character could let the force die because she was so strong. What if Rey has that ability, but instead of, like, she can somehow, you know, inspire growth through people and potentially make them more uh, prone to uh, being a Force-sensitive? You know, obviously that's just kind of ridiculous, you know, that someone can, like, touch you and then all of a sudden you're Force-sensitive. You get powers. You get powers. Everybody gets powers, right? No. Um, it's just ideas. I feel like not only could they continue her journey and uh, picking up the stones at Luke Skywalker, you know, the one you always hear recycled is, you know, uh, Ray Skywalker and Finn can uh, recreate the, the new Jedi Order. And, and that's a great idea, too. And why can't we just get it all? You know, give me Ray and Finn creating a new Jedi Order while Finn is also going around and unifying all these stormtroopers who were kidnapped or enslaved and forced into service and in, in, in inscription. You know, like, that's that's what I really want. I want that. While also Finn learns how to be a Jedi and Finn deals with that and rises everybody up to power, you know. Uh, maybe bring Phasma back, you know, just have her there and she's, like, holding on to everything. And I, I, I feel like there's so much that you could do. Uh, Colin Trevorrow's uh, script had a couple pretty good solid things and and one of the biggest things that i think that could have worked and benefited if it was incorporated into the rise of skywalker was of course the stormtrooper uh rebellion and and that's all of them defecting over and becoming real people you know finn's uh image where he has his stormtrooper helmet with the blood on his helmet go get that thing back you know bring that back uh, you know, maybe even he, when he turns into uh, a Jedi, he can even wear parts of that stormtrooper suit as part of his like battle armor. You know, I just there's just so many things 
that you could do. I feel like as uh, as him and a stormtrooper and his identity, uh, whether you want it political or whether you don't want it political, I just feel like you know expression is is the greatest thing in, in Star Wars too, and 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 be being who you are as an identity and the potential of his character, the potential of uh, Daisy Ridley's character, because dude, I mean she's got a yellow freaking lightsaber and the entire movie. She's sitting there constructing the lightsaber. Like, you know, you see the yellow kyber crystal at the end when it's engaged into her into her lightsaber. But like the entire movie, she's got a ball crystal there that's yellow, which is, by the way, uh, which is crazy, too, because I guess it has to be a different type of crystal because most crystals these days are completely see through and they don't ever turn color until you engage them with the lightsaber. But maybe this is something else that she found. Uh, but in terms of like her actual lightsaber, maybe it's not done. You know, what if she does get a, a, a double bladed lightsaber? You know, uh, wh what if she does like change her clothes? You know, what if she does? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's there's just so much, you know, it's a new beginning to me. The Rise of Skywalker is a new beginning to me than more than it is than a, uh, you know, 40 year ending, you know, to a trilogy. And I hope they're in talks. You know, I, I hope that she has time to do something. Uh, I don't want to see a movie. I want to see a TV series. I want to see a long lasting TV series, maybe four or five seasons even, you know, give it to me. Give me it both. Okay. Star Wars, uh, the new Jedi Order. Give it to me. Okay. Go and do it. I hope it happens. John Boyega, Days Ridley, if you're listening, please. If there was ever some type of love and interest in Star Wars, I hope you find it, and I and I hope you're rekindled into that. You know, uh, one day. You know, I do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying, man. I just I would love to see you all back in it, doing it, and uh, being a part of it, and getting more out of it. You know, because once you're in Star Wars, people are never gonna forget you. Uh, and there's people out there that love you, and I hope you hear the good over the bad. And you all deserve everything. So, y'all, that's going to be my uh, podcast for today. I will see you next week. I hope you all have enjoyed it. And I cannot wait to talk to you more. Make sure you follow the channel. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Make sure you listen to all the podcasts. And follow me on Twitter, all right? Thank you all so much. I'll see you around. Deuces. Deuces.